gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Men podcast. I'm your host, Ray De La Nuez, and this is still the podcast for good men who are on their journeys to live epic lives. Guys, this week, we're continuing our series on the attributes of mature Christian men, men who are authentic, who are confident, who are wise, who are reliable. The man that we are actually aiming to become. And this series was actually inspired by the hundreds of hours that I actually spent coaching men from around the world and taking those deep dives into discovering what it means to truly become the men that God created us to be. Now, the reason why this is so important for us to talk about and to dissect is because frankly, there just aren't enough men standing up and boldly telling you, telling us like, hey, bro, that thing that you're doing, that thing right there, like that's not going to lead you where you think it is. And you should stop that before you uh, end up somewhere where you don't want to end up. Right. And those road signs, those caution signs, those barriers right in the road are things that we would become so grateful for down the line. Some of us, we find ourselves already going off the cliff and wishing that we had something to hold us back. So I felt compelled to deliver some deeply impactful content around the, the attributes, the pieces, the characteristics that make up a man, the man that me, that you were all striving to become more like. And that's really just becoming more like Jesus. So much of this work actually comes from my own notes from over a decade of mentorship and leadership from other godly men in my life. And I've been so blessed to have that. And to be quite honest, a lot of it also comes from my failings and my face plans as a young man, just trying to be more like Christ and getting it wrong a lot. So in our last episode, we talked about the first two attributes that make up a mature and wise Christian man. And if you haven't listened to that already, I suggest that you head over to episode 100 and start there. Honestly, I think I said it in that podcast episode that that was actually one of my best content. Uh, and I'm really taking my time getting this stuff together because I want it to be good. I want it to be very impactful for you guys listening. Now, in that episode, we actually established that mature Christian men, the men that we are aiming to become, they heed to wise counsel and they take responsibility for everything in their sphere of influence. Yes, that should piss you off. <laughs> Go back and listen to it if you haven't. But this week, actually, I want to take a deep dive into two more critical attributes that mark a mature, wise, confident, authentic Christian man. And so let's dive into it. A mature Christian man thinks long term. Now, this is extremely counterculture because the running agenda is to do what makes you happy right now and what you want right now. It's literally just to get instant gratification, knowing that at the end of the day, it's really just a trap. Jordan Peterson has this awesome quote. He says, the successful among us delay gratification and they bargain with the future. And that's what this is really about, right? When you are thinking long-term, you're saying, I'm going to forego some sort of uh, pleasure, immediate pleasure right now for something that will be better down the road. And again, instant gratification is a trap. It's what our Western culture values most right now, unfortunately. And it's the thing that's actually going to drive us further and further away from Christ. Thinking long-term and delaying gratification requires things that me and you, we want more of. That men are just paying gurus, right? Quote, unquote, to teach them how to have these, these attributes, right? And namely discipline, patience, and forethought. Right. So while your parents can give you an inheritance and give you a nice, I don't know what car, what kind of cars are cool nowadays, maybe a Silverado, right? Like what you actually should be desiring is for your parents to give you the inheritance of discipline, patience, and forethought. 
Because when we delay gratification, we make choices that support these long-term goals, these aspirations down the road, rather than being driven by these short-term impulses. But it's hard, and I get it. Like, why, would, why wouldn't we want everything in life to be as easy and as hassle-free as, you know, Amazon Prime? And I, guys, I love Amazon Prime. I actually lived in Florida for some time, and Amazon Prime got so good that they would actually deliver same day. I could wake up in the morning, order something, and it'd be at my house by before 10 p.m. that night. But I actually started to see a change in myself from that time in my life. I see an urge, and I, and I notice an urge to avoid tension and anything that was tough, right? To go down the path of least resistance. And maybe you see that too in your life. Maybe you see this tendency playing out in your parenting and in your marriage. I know I have, right? Avoiding conflict, avoiding the thing that's going to, uh, you know, give us a rocky night and that's going to take us a little bit down discomfort trail. I see this in my prayer life. The way that I'll ask God, why is this still going on? As if he owes me some kind of answer of, well, this is still happening, right? Because X, Y, Z. And I see it in my distaste for process and for long seasons of life. You know, I'm, I'm on my third knee surgery here, pending a young man to die so I could get his cadaver meniscus. Uh, and it's really because I never grew to love process, to love re the rehabilitation process that was slow, that is intentional, that is thinking long-term. But when I brought this up to, in my interview with John Eldridge in episode 20, he actually had this to say, and I wanted to read a quote from him because I think it, it definitely describes the degradation that we're all feeling. He said, we don't realize that often the hardness is our initiation. When things are hard, that is where God is drawing us near to. John continues to say, it's doing something in our souls that need to be done. But we have been so conditioned by comfort that we become flabby souls. And that hit me like a ton of bricks, guys. I'm supposed to be this badass Marine Corps officer, right? The epitome of grit, tenacity, and determination. I have to deepen my voice as I say that, right? But I see my soul taking just a different shape. And it bugs me and it should bug you as I, as I scan the horizon of my life, right? I see the hills that I avoided charging and the mountains that I avoided climbing. I don't know if you do too. What are some of the things that you avoided because you were actually more interested in the short term and the no right now? Think monetarily, right? Think about money. That's an easy one for us to always look at, but also think about your spiritual life. Think about your relational health, See, I see places where I've allowed myself to be so conformed to the ideals and to the opinion of like this Amazon culture that we live in. And we have to push against becoming spiritually flabby, you know, like gaining that extra uh, stuff around the waist that's slowing you down, that's making you feel awkward and uncomfortable and you're frustrated about it, right? Because you can see it, it's attached to you. And you're like, I need to do something about this, but what? Well, I'll tell you one thing for sure. Start being intentional about delaying gratification. Be intentional about thinking in the long term. You see, delaying gratification is important because it starts to develop self-control. It develops discipline and perseverance. And so when people are able to best resist those immediate temptations, the things that are coming at you that you're like, come on, you know, you've always wanted this, you know, you really need this, right? And you start to actually hold out 
for something that's more valuable and worthwhile in the future. You actually develop this ability to make choices that support those long-term goals and aspirations rather than being driven by those short-term impulses. And when you do that repeatedly, you do this thing that I feel like everybody underestimates. You grow. And what I mean is the only way to actually strengthen a muscle is to go to the gym agitate that muscle to the point of breaking the weak fibers so that they, your body would be able to rebuild those fibers and make stronger muscles. It's the same thing in our lives, guys. When you start to actually say no to those initial short-term impulses, you actually start to develop self-control. You develop discipline. You develop perseverance. Now, the thing that's not really sexy about it is that you develop those things over time right? So again, we're thinking long-term here and time, right? Think time is what's actually going to get you good at this stuff. So imagine you filling a piggy bank with one penny at a time. Now, one penny is nothing. You put that penny in there. You're like, man, I'm making slow progress. You put a second penny in there. You got two pennies. A hundred days later, you only got a dollar. But guess what? When you have a million, that million is comprised of one million pennies, (laughs) And you're never going to complain about the million dollars, right? Whenever I dive into these conversations about delayed gratification or thinking long-term, I find it really easy to bring up money because it's one of those limited resources in our lives that really expose some of the internal functions that we have working within us, okay? So the way that you handle money a lot of times says a lot more about how you handle other situations in your life, right? How you make decisions about uh, how you might talk to somebody, you know, how impulsive you are, or maybe decisions about what career path you take. This is an awesome quote by Dave Ramsey, where he says, if you will live like no one else now, you can live like no one else later. Think about that. That's exactly what thinking in the long term is. And and again, this is just using uh, monetary examples to to make sense of this today. But you can apply this to anything. Again, if you live like no one else now, You can live like no one else later. Now, diligence is the key characteristic to success here because it it involves taking the time to actually think through the goals and to make a plan on how to achieve that goal. And what is a, a brash and just impulsive man lacking? He's lacking diligence and he's lacking a plan. But the Bible actually says in Proverbs 21, 5, that the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And I want you to pay attention to that word hasty. Sometimes we can act with haste, which is good sometimes, right? Like you see an opportunity and you have the go, and this is something that you need to act on. And this is something that you have planned for. And the opportunity has presented itself. Finally, you've been preparing for this act with haste. My friend, you need to move quickly on that opportunity, but acting hasty (laughs) again, just play on words here, maybe some nuances, but acting hasty is a completely different subject. We're talking about, you know, those habits of just seeing something you like and maybe jumping right on it, or maybe the shiny object syndrome. Maybe you act a little hasty on purchasing that because you you thought it was really cool. Achieving our goals, though, that requires patience and persistence and attention to detail. Again, just attributes that we would love to have uh, on our tombstone, right? He was a patient, persistent man who always attended to details. 
when we approach our goals, guys, with diligence, we're more likely to actually be wise about our decision making, right? And we'll avoid those pitfalls, falling off of those cliffs that could actually derail our progress and that make us end up flat on our faces. Trust me, I've been there. When we act in haste, when we're, we are actually more likely to make those, be- those decisions based on emotions and impulses rather than on rational thoughts and careful planning. So really just knowing yourself is important. Again, being intentional about this is also being honest about where you are right now and knowing the things that you fall, f- fall to, knowing your nature as of right now when left to your own devices. But Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. A faithful man. You see, those who are diligent and who put effort to plan and to work towards those goals will actually see the fruits of their labor. While those who act impulsively and without forethought, you'll find yourself lacking. That's what, that's where we don't want to find ourselves, right? Now, I want to talk to you guys about the story of Esau and Jacob from Genesis 25. And to set the scene a little bit, I got to tell you, the ancient Hebrews practice primogeniture, which is a system that's similar to what the British royals do for the succession of the throne, right? So they grant the firstborn son the special rights, privileges, and responsibilities. And here we have Jacob and Esau, two twins, sons of Isaac. Now Esau was the firstborn with Jacob right behind him. It says in the Bible, holding his heel. Uh, He was actually given the privilege of preserving the spiritual heritage and receiving the double portion of Isaac's estate. But he actually wasn't very interested in those privileges at all or those responsibilities. So Jacob thought, hey, I can actually use this to my advantage because I actually want this. I actually want those privileges. I want the spiritual heritage. I want to be the succeeding son. So one day when Esau just returned hungry from a hunt, he smelled Jacob's stew. And hey, I mean, some guys, you know, you made that nice stew, you know, some jumbo, (laughs) some chili. He smelled that and he said, hey, I, I need some of that. And a deal was struck. Jacob convinced Esau to trade his birthright for a plate of stew. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you haven't read the story, that sounds ridiculous. And if you have read the story and you're just listening to it again, you should still be thinking that sounds ridiculous. That's because it is. (laughs) But don't be so critical because I, I know it sounds silly, but listen to me. When a man's sensual appetites dominate him, He will always trade eternal values to fulfill them. I'm going to say that again. When a man's sensual appetites dominate him, he will trade eternal values to fulfill them. He will prefer satisfying those appetites, those short-term sensual appetites, to the appetite of fulfilling his responsibility before God. And that should cause you great fear. And you're not too different. I know I'm not too different. There are times where I will sell myself short and sell Jesus short for everything that he paid for. For what? Maybe for you, it's hidden sin. Maybe it's the short term and and sensual appetite of pornography. Or maybe it's that woman at work that maybe you're talking to a little bit too much and you're getting a little bit too much validation from her. And she's fulfilling, you know, that, that sensual appetite that you have. 
Maybe it's your desire for money and the hunger that you have to get rich and to have more wealth and to have more treasure. Maybe it's your, the sensual appetite for acceptance and you'll do almost anything to get people to like you. That you'll actually trade eternal values to fulfill those things. I know guys, it's heavy stuff, but this is the kind of stuff that we need to talk about. This is the kind of stuff that we need to be intentional about and to expose, to be able to say, look at yourself in front of the mirror and say, I am becoming the man that God created me to be. Now, all of this guys, all of this is about trust and patience. Because at its core, when we actually don't think long-term, when we don't delay gratification, we are thinking in our minds, there is something that is going to be withheld from me if I don't act on this right now. God is not seeing enough into my needs to be able to give me what I want. So I need to go out and fulfill it for myself right now in the short term, need to do this now because I'm not seeing being hasty and I'm not seeing what's down the road for me. Because ultimately you're not trusting and you're not being patient. A mature Christian man thinks long term. A mature Christian man also is fully submitted to God. Again, he is fully submitted to God. Now, as young men leaving our childhood homes, we often sprint straight towards trouble. Like there's trouble straight ahead, 80 miles an hour, because we want to take control of our lives. After being under the authority of maybe another male figure, another just another authority figure, okay? We actually want to just try our hand at being the master of our own lives. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is a recipe for disaster because you are going to suck at it. And if you know from experience, you know that you sucked at it. And men especially want to test this because we actually have this thing inside of us that we need to know if we have what it takes. Can we tackle life? Can we figure crap out? Can we just teach ourselves? Can we be self-made? But you know what? I'm not after that anymore because I know where that leads. I want to, I want to share that with you guys here because I know that left alone, left unchecked, this thing here will derail you as a man. It will derail your relationship with the most important people in your life, your relationship with God. It will just derail you entirely because it has to do with something so sensitive as submission, like men just, that doesn't exude dominance, right? It doesn't exude masculinity when I have to talk to you about submission. But get this. Jesus said in John 15, 15, he says, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing. And right away, you're like, yeah, good. Like, I don't want to be called a servant. Like, I, I want to know what's up. I want to be in the know. We want to be with the boys. I get it. And this is what Jesus says. He says, but I have called you friends. Now, by way of you listening to this podcast, I at least know that you're interested in that. I at least know that you actually want to be called a friend of Jesus. So then I have to actually ask you to go ahead and go back a verse. And we're going to read John 15, 14, where Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Again, he says, you are my friends if. Okay. I did a little bit of coding here, guys, in Java and Python. I'm going to tell you right now what if means. If is a conditional statement that only gets initiated if the condition within the parentheses are met. Okay. So anything in the if statement only happens if the condition 
that you put inside of the parentheses is actually met. Here, Jesus is saying that you are his friends. He's no longer calling you servants. He has called you friend if you do what he's commanded you. And ultimately, guys, you choose the level of relationship that you want with God when you choose to be under his lordship and his authority. And all of that always feels uncomfortable for a young man who's charging straight ahead at trouble, just wanting to be the master of his own life. And for you, it can manifest completely different. Right? For me, it was just escaping out of the household, finding as many women as I could to gather around me to make me feel good about myself, trying to find acc- gain accolades, find things that I was good at that are going to give me those quick bursts of, mot- of motivation right? or some quick bursts of just feel good. So I wrestled and then I said, heck with this wrestling thing, I'm going to go ahead and join the Marine Corps. That was a impulsive decision. Here I am 12 years later, but still impulsive. Uh, and then even in the military, I was doing that all along just wanting to find an affirmation, affirmation, affirmation. And guys, this is real. And whatever it is for you, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and be honest about it. Because being under authority is a good thing. Yes, we think of submission as weakness, but I'm not talking about submission like tap, tap, tap. (laughs) I'm talking like strength. Okay, submission is actually a source of strength. You're like, well, how, Ray? I'm going to tell you, right? If I, if I say some weird stuff, I'm going to go ahead and follow that up with an explanation. You guys know that. This is episode 101. <laughs> so James 4, 7 actually says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Now, the word submit is in, in the Greek, right? Because James was written in Greek. It's the word hapotasso. And I'm probably saying that totally wrong. But it means to be placed under. It's actually a military term. And it's a, it's a term for subordination. It's when somebody comes under the authority of somebody else, right? And so James 4, 7 is actually submit, right? Come under God, submit therefore yourself to God. And guys, I just want to show you what that looks like, what I have seen that look like in the military and what it really means in our lives when we submit to God, when a Christian man is fully submitted. When you go to war, you are going to get to a place where you do not want to match your weapon system with the enemy's weapon system because that is a fair fight and you never want a fair fight with somebody who is across the way who's trying to kill you. And so while I am trying to you know, close with and destroy the enemy, I'm going to want a bigger gun trained at and pointing towards and shooting at actively while I'm moving towards it at the enemy. Okay. Now, here's the thing about firepower and about movement. If I'm going to move, I need to be light, agile, fast. I might not be able to carry these howitzers, right? I'm not going to be able to carry the cannons that I would want raining down on my enemy as I'm moving, but I want mutual support while I do it. Okay, follow me here. So as I'm traversing across a battle space, I want to be agile enough to move forward, but know that there is actually indirect fire coming overhead I'm seeing it fly overhead and landing at the target and they're going to cut off fires when I get to a certain point and I'm going to go ahead and close with on those last 300 yards, right? Because the guys on the ground always own the last 300 yards. But there's no way that I'm going to start moving from way far out trying to do it with just a, you know, M16 or an M4. No way. 556 is not going to do it. I want 
grenades dropping there. I want higher caliber weapons. I want the 50 cal to continue going at the cyclic rate until I know that I'm in a better and advantageous position. But to get to my point here, the only way that I can do that is if I'm under someone else's authority and I am a subordinate to another and higher unit, higher command that's able to provide that support. So I'm only going to be able to get fire support from aircrafts or from, you know, some howitzer cannons if I am actually subordinate or subject to them, right? If I'm actually under someone else's authority. Now take that to the kingdom. (laughs) Think about that in our spiritual walk. When you place yourself under God, when you submit yourself, therefore, to God, you're saying, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and do the best that I can with the mission that you've given me, but I'm going to come under your lordship and know that you are taking care of the rest. And that's what you can absolutely be sure of, my friend. First Peter 5, 5 and 5, 6 says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Close yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And listen to me, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. And I know that's what you want. I know that you want to live an epic life where you know, at the end of it, you lived well. And my friend, if that life does not entail you being called a friend of Jesus, where you have humbled yourself under God's mighty hand so that he can exalt you. Ultimately, it was probably meaningless. Now, Luke and Matthew, they both recount this awesome story with Jesus's encounter with a centurion. And maybe you know what I'm talking about already. And Hebrews says that Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So I want you to know that when Matthew and Luke tell this story about how Jesus marveled at the faith of the centurion, This is the man who the Bible says is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So this is a pretty big deal. So what was he actually marveling at? Well, jumping right into the middle of it, you know, this guy has a a sick servant and he sends some people over to Jesus to try to convince him to come to him. And before he got there, this is what happened. The centurion said to Jesus, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed for I myself, I'm a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, I know that you would love to be known and to have it recorded in history that Jesus marveled at your faith. See, what happened here is that Jesus marveled at a man who truly understood what authority brought to him. He truly understood the things that he gained, the strength that he gained, the sources that he had access to by being subject to something because he himself was subject to someone else. He himself was under submission. And that right there, my friends, is a powerful move and something that we need to internalize inside of us. And we can actually even turn to the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22. And really, this is the story of Abraham, you know, walking his son up the mountain to do what? Offer him as a, as a burnt sacrifice. It says that God actually was testing Abraham. He said, Abraham, Abraham's like, yeah, here I am. 
God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, the one that you love, and go ahead and go up to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will actually show you. And what did Abraham do? Well, it says Abraham got up early the next morning. Okay. He got a word from the Lord and he got up early the next morning to follow the command of the Lord. He saddled his donkey. He took along two of his servants and Isaac and they went up the mountain. And for three days, they went on this trip. Abraham took the wood. He set it out there. He was about to, uh, you know, actually lifted his, uh, the sword to stab his son. And it said that an angel of the Lord appeared. And he says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. And I want to ask you guys, what thing are you withholding from God? Are you fearful that if taken away, it would crush you? What thing would you be devastated if, if God asked you to hang it up, put it away? It's time to keep moving. I'm going to tell you right now, there's no easy way of saying it. That's an idol. Okay. That's an idol in your life. And I would encourage you from walking in this very recently and very intimately. Now, ultimately, fully submitting to God boils down to this one thing. It's really fearing the Lord. And I know that's another obscure one that a lot of people really don't even like to talk about. But I'm not talking about fearing God, like to be scared of him, because you can't have a relationship with someone who you are scared of. But we actually are to fear him to the point of reverence. We are called to revere God. In Proverbs 9, 10, it actually says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is the beginning of knowing God himself. Psalms 112 actually gives us some better promises for those who are fully submitted to God. It says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Again, that's what I want for me and my family. But the whole thing starts with the condition, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Guys, this is something that we actually need to start talking about and internalizing and really bringing into conversation with the people around us, because this is the mark of a mature Christian man, a man who understands that he is fully submitted to God. He is fully under God's authority, and he is willing to lay whatever down on the altar whenever God calls him to. Not because God wants to take something away from you, but because he knows that there is something in you that he wants to draw out and he wants to put more of himself in inside of you. There's actually an interesting uh, verse in Exodus 20, 20, after Moses had brought all the people of Israel to come and encounter God. And they were actually all freaking out and saying, no, we don't, we actually don't want to uh, deal with God. Why don't you go ahead and talk to him on our behalf? Because he, it's just, it's too much for us. So you go ahead and deal with God on our behalf and come back and tell us what he says. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Now that sounds a little bit strange because you're saying, okay, uh, do not fear. God's coming to test me that the fear would be in me. No. Okay. It's the fear of him may be before you. You see, because you should actually be terrified when you're separate from God. You should be terrified when there is no fear of the Lord inside of you. 
Because when the fear of the Lord is not inside of you, you are being led astray little by little. This is why it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I know you're probably asking, Ray, how can I measure this? How can I measure whether I'm actually a man who's fully submitting to God? And if I'm growing in this area, well, I'm going to tell you right now, right? Because I proposed that question. So therefore I need to probably fulfill that question. You get what I did there? Uh, So one of the effects of you being fully submitted to God is that you obey God instantly. And this is something that you can start testing within yourself. Like how long does it take for you to obey God's word in your life? For me, it it was like weeks. Like I would hear something or I would kind of get an impression about something. Somebody might tell me, give me a word. And it wasn't for weeks later that I was, you know, kind of dragging my feet and begrudgingly actually going in the direction that God was sending me to. But notice how Abraham actually rose up the next morning and saddled up a donkey and said, let's go, Isaac. Obey God instantly. The next one is that you obey God even when it makes no sense. Notice that when God spoke to Abraham in the way that it's recorded here, it says, hey, I want you to take your son, you know, your only son whom you love and go to the land of Moriah, right? It it makes no sense that God would ask you to give up something so intimate that you love, especially when he's promised so much, but it's not up to you to decide what makes sense. It's up for you to decide whether you are actually going to be under submission, under authority. And that, like I, like we explained before, guys, like that is extremely uncomfortable. But ultimately, that is the mark of a mature man who is submitting to God. Thirdly, you obey even when it hurts. Even when you are going to be at the point of loss, it might cost you something. It might cost you money, relationships. It will cost you time but you do it because you know that God is leading you and you want to be closer to him and a friend of Jesus. Number four, you obey even when you don't see a benefit. Sometimes it's easy to say, yes, God wants me to go in this direction because I'm going to get this promotion. He wants me to go in this direction because it's going to strengthen this relationship. He wants me to go into this direction because X, Y, Z. But even when you don't see a direct benefit, you still choose to go forth and follow the word of the Lord because you revere him. And lastly, you obey to completion. You don't kind of get halfway up the mountain and say, you know what? This is probably just not a good idea. You're not a wave tossed in the wind. You're not back and forth. You go to completion. What the Lord has set you on a path to do, you see it all the way through. And that right there, my friends, is the mark of a mature Christian man who is fully submitted to God. Gentlemen, in this series, we've talked about how a mature, wise, confident, and authentic Christian man will always heed to wise counsel, take responsibility for everything in his sphere of influence. He will think long-term and be fully submitted to God. And make sure that you join us next week where we'll talk about two more attributes of a wise and mature Christian man. If you want more free and impactful and transformational resources, be sure to stop by the website, thebecomingmen.com. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever other platform you use. And if you'd like to do something to support The Becoming Man, it always means a bunch of you. Take a quick minute to leave a rating or a review that does so much to help get this podcast in front of the men who need to hear it. Also, many thanks to those who've partnered with us and support our work through financial donations. You help make this 
podcast, the Becoming Men podcast, our free resource. Your support helps make the Becoming Men podcast and our free resources available to men around the world. And for that, I will always be thankful. And if you're interested in becoming a financial supporter, you can learn more at thebecomingmen.com forward slash partner. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash partner. Gentlemen, until next time, continue to march. Thank you.